88.1 WHOV welcomes you to the Pastor's Study. The Pastor's Study in your church or any church is a place where the pastor goes to collect his thoughts, hear from God, study God's Word, and develop ideas and thoughts on what direction the church needs to take in leading others to Christ. The Pastor's Study is where the road to salvation is paved and the mysteries of the Bible revealed. The Pastor's Study on WHOV is a talk show that allows you, the listener, to come inside to find out more about the ministers of the gospel in the area and the good works they're doing across the region, the nation, and the world. Now here's your host, Pastor Kevin Swan of Ivy Baptist Church in Newport News, Pastor Ray Johnson of Calvary Revival Church Peninsula, and Pastor John Young of Empowered Believers Christian Learning Center. The Pastor's Study is now open to the public. So come on in and find out God's plan for your life and His people. It is another beautiful Tuesday afternoon here on the campus of Hampton University. Welcome to the Pastor Study. This is the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV. Pastor Kevin Swan in studio. Pray for it, brother, please. <laughs> Still wrestling with uh, little bronchitis here, but uh, we're here in studio. We thank God to be here. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. And uh, we have in studio with us Pastor John Young of Empower Believers Christian Learning Center. And, and since Pastor Young, I'm your friend in Christ, I'm your brother in Christ, Pastor Young is in deep, deep mourning right now. And, and that is because on Sunday night, his beloved Cowboys suffered a, a tough, tough loss to their, to their arch rivals. On the last play of the game, touchdown callback. <laughs> touchdown! Touchdown! Was called back. I'm gonna bring the wind to get you out of the season of war. That that's why we're here. Stay, stay, station manager Jay Lang is in, helping us. We all need grace. We we have a support system for Pastor Young. And understand, Moose is a is a cowboy fan too. We can bring him in. We just gonna have a prayer time on the radio. Co- correction, my name is Emma. You're the best. Oh, yeah. I'm the original red skin fan. So, <laughs> so what cowboys don't understand is the fact that you know in the westerns the cowboys was always running from the Indians. The Indians was always running to the Cowboys. I want you to understand this, Pastor. We love you, though. We really, really do. A whole lot. I bring a piece of sweet potato pie. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> See ya. That was Sister Emma May. <laughs> Sister Emma May J. Lay. <laughs> and, and right on cue, Pastor Ray Johnson comes in, who I think is a Redskins fan. You race here, all day long, baby. Yeah, so uh, I think he he's celebrating. He riding high. But Pastor Johnson, we're gonna give you your opportunity to celebrate, and and then I want you to pray for your brother in Christ because he lost a bet at his church, and now he's got to wear a Redskins jersey mm. from the pulpit. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Come on, pray for. Well, let me just say that number seventy-one has now been traded to the Washington Redskins. 
we receive him in a Cowboys uniform. You know the number seven and the number one together is the number eight, New Beginnings. And so maybe you all might have an opportunity for a New Beginnings. You just can't choke hold a brother. If he didn't get choke hold, it would have been a sack game. It would have been over anyway, but I don't want to argue that point. Let me just say that I'm so glad, Pastor Swan, I don't have to wear the jersey this week because I had the same deal. <laughs> So I don't have to wear the jersey this week. So we, uh, our listening audience, stretch your hands toward Pastor John Young, my good friend. And in Jesus' name, receive healing right now for maybe week 9 or 10 when we come back again. <laughs> okay, let me just say that I would rather have lost to Bethel High School than the Washington Redskins. That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. So... So if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, just just understand that that you know uh, we are a compassionate, giving team, and and we give out of the goodness of our hearts, just like we gave the game away. You didn't give that boy Stephen one a ride home. I saw him thumbing. I saw him thumbing on ninety five. He didn't get the ride home on the bus. All ride on the plane. Y'all making him walk. Well, what if, kind of love is that? Well, every ministry has a Judas. <laughs> and, and so all I'm trying to say for this brother is that he, he, he did what he was purposed to do. You know, and, and so uh, I, I made a bet with, with our assistant pastor. And I know you're not supposed to bet in church, but Pastor Monago is on a website right now in a cowboy jersey uh, from last year. And so this year I'm going to man up and I'm going to wear the Redskin jersey. Cowboy fans, just turn your head and pray hard for what's happening. It's a travesty happening at Empowered Believers on Sunday because I have a photo op in front of the entire congregation in a Redskin jersey. Just just pray right now in, in Jesus' name. <laughs> what time is your service? <laughs> I, might have, I might have to come and see. I had to tell the Ivy folks, I'm going to be a little late. I'm to, I need to see. Lord, help us. So for all, all of the Cowboy fans, you can call in now. We, we want to pray with you. <laughs> we, we need an organ at this point. But no, we joke. And we, we'll do this all season. This, this is just how we roll. I, I'm a Steeler fan. We, we lucked up. We won in overtime. So I can't, even, I can't even celebrate that victory. I'm just thankful that we won. But nevertheless, knowing that Pastor Johnson is a big Skins fan and Pastor Young is a big Cowboy fan, we... We like to lighten it up a little bit. So so hopefully next time you'll be able to turn the tables, Pastor Young, when, when they go down to Dallas. But uh, anyway, well, welcome to the <laughs> Pastor Study. We ready. We ready. <laughs> yeah, you celebrate now. <laughs> you want to know. Just want to let you know a couple of things. First of all, this Thursday, if you're not doing anything, come hang out with the Ivy family this Thursday at, at the Chick-fil-A across from um, the Applebee's on Coliseum Drive. Uh, we're doing a big deal from 5 to 8 uh, at that Chick-fil-A. You come in and purchase a meal, and uh, the proceeds from the meal will go to support our, our child care and learning center. And so we want to be a blessing uh, to the next generation of children and youth that are in our program. So, again, 5 to 8, come on out. There will be lots of prizes and things that will be done. That's at the Chick-fil-A across from Applebee's and the Coliseum Drive over there by Sports Authority and what else is over there? Farm Fresh, uh, Panera Bread. Again, that's from 5 to 8. I'll be there. A lot of the other Ivy family will be there. You can come hang out with us. And then on this Saturday, calling all the brothers, all this Saturday, 
If you're not doing anything this Saturday, we're having our men's weekend starting at 2.30. Uh, we're having a big, big tailgate fellowship time. And then at 5 o'clock, we're going to get into a uh, rap session with our brothers talking real candidly about men's issues, what prevents us from being all that God wants us to be, what are some of the challenges that we experience. And so all of that's going to be at Ivy 50 Maple Avenue in the city of Newport News. And for more information, you can call the church 244-8165. So again, this Thursday, the 16th, at Chick-fil-A 5 to 8, and this Saturday uh, we're going to have the men's fellowship starting at 2.30 with the tailgate and then the rap session to follow. And I don't know if you all have any things that you want to mention very quickly before we jump into our show today. Again, uh, make sure that you come out and join us. Calvary Revival Peninsula is expanding with our east location over at Memorial Baptist Church. The Lord has blessed us indeed with an opportunity to to have another campus location so that we can serve those in need. And we'll have a launch service on September the 26th at 6 p.m. Our very own overseer, uh, Bishop Courtney McBeth from Calvary Revival Church in Norfolk will be with us. He will be preaching and inaugurating the expansion of Calvary Revival Peninsula, where we'll be serving uh, those in the city of Hampton as well. So join us at 6 p.m. on September the 26th and uh, get a chance to hear Bishop and uh, meet some of the other leaders as we get a chance to expand. And so we look forward to being able to do that and to serve others in the city. And as a matter of fact, uh, uh, Bishop Macbeth is both my overseer and Pastor Young's overseer. And uh, so we're covenant brothers in the faith in that way. He'll be there ministering and uh, touching us in a special way. I believe we've got a, a great show uh, to discuss today in regards to young people and Christianity, Pastor Swan. And uh, as we talked about it on last week, uh, the article that came out uh, on CNN, uh, the author of the article uh, began to make mention, uh, do we have young people today who are faking Christianity in the sense that uh, we would say it this way, there's a different walk uh, than a talk on from Sunday till Monday. And uh, as we kind of get into that and discuss that more, I'm looking forward to kind of talking about that as persons have a chance to continue to call in as we go into this topic today. Absolutely. <clears throat> and we do uh, want to have that discussion. We're going to pick up from last week on on the author who wrote this particular piece, and it was posted on CNN.com. What we're going to do is take a station break here, and when we come back on the other side, uh, we'll open up the phone lines. We're going to do our part two of our discussion today uh, from this study that's saying that more teens today are becoming quote-unquote fake Christians. I guess I want to start there today. Can can you be a fake Christian? Let, let, is that possible? Let, let's start there. Uh, and then uh, we'll branch out. Once again, we're opening up the phone line, 727-5711. During the commercial break, we're going to be praying for Pastor Young. He can gather himself and be ready to share on the other side. Please stay tuned. This is the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV. Listen, Eden is kingdom, and Eden mindset is a kingdom mindset. Let me hear ya. Where my Eden citizens at? Where my Eden citizens at? Where you at? Let me see you do your hands like this. Come on, let me hear ya, let me hear ya. Put your hands together like this. And welcome back to the Pastor Study here on the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV. We finished praying for Pastor Young on the commercial break. He's doing much better now. 
And uh, he forgot to mention in his morning that he has a great celebration coming up this weekend also. So, Pastor Young, tell us about what's happening, and then we'll jump into our question for the day. I just want to print a retraction. Um, I didn't forget it was stolen from me by the Redskins fan, just like the game was stolen. <laughs> I have no remorse um, for that statement. Um, but in any event, you know, in, in times when you're mourning, you know, you want to be around your family and your friends. Um, and uh, uh, at Empower Believers, this Sunday is our annual Family and Friends Day service. All of our uh, congregation is, is bringing uh, uh, an extra dose of their family and their friends now. Um, uh, and we want to invite the community out to our celebration. We are feeding afterwards, and we're going to try to feed everyone that shows up. That is a big endeavor. So please come bring an appetite and a smile. And uh, if you're a Redskin fan, uh, we got seating in the back for you. <laughs> Amen uh, for that. Uh, and, and a great majority of our congregation is Redskins fans, but I am working on them. Uh, <laughs> so so thank you all for, for uh, giving me an opportunity to mention that. Uh, shout out to Treva for fussing at me over my text message for not mentioning that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. Again, we picked up this from last week. And for those of you who did not happen to listen to the show last week, there was a there's a book that has been written uh, by a person named Kenda Dean. She is a minister and she is a professor at Princeton Theological Seminary. The book that she wrote was called is called rather Almost Christian, and it is a new book that argues that many parents and pastors are unknowingly passing on. A, a strain or a type of Christianity that is not biblical. And she says that uh, this imposter type of faith that many pastors and, and parents are sharing with their youth is one of the main reasons why many teenagers are abandoning churches today. She says uh, that in the study, she included in-depth interviews with at least 3,300 American teenagers, doesn't say where they're located, between the ages of 13 and 17. And her conclusions were that most of the American teens who called themselves Christian were indifferent or could not articulate their faith. In other words, uh, they called themselves Christians, but they could not explain why they were Christian, why they went to church, who Jesus was, what salvation was all about. And the article goes on to say, that this study included teenagers from all denominations, Catholics, Protestant, conservative to liberal. And even though three out of four American teenagers claim to be Christian, less than half of them actually practice their faith. Only half of them even consider their faith important. And most of them in the study could not articulate their beliefs at all. And she said that most teenagers thought that God simply wanted them to feel good and to do good. And so the question becomes, as we talked about this last week, she said this is the reason why uh, many teens are in fact becoming quote-unquote fake Christian. Now, let's start there with that term, Pastor Johnson and Pastor Young. Can, can in fact there be such a thing as, as a quote-unquote fake Christian? You know, Pastor Swan, I don't necessarily know if I feel too comfortable with that term, uh, fake Christian. I, I know that we have uh, uh, people who struggle with issues, um, and that is to suggest that 
um, all of us go through difficulty in life where we go through experiences that we have uh, that sometimes we're not necessarily putting forth our best effort or showing the profile of who Jesus is and uh, what Jesus would want us to do. Like the bracelet said, what would Jesus do? But I don't know if I can necessarily say fake Christians because either you are born again and you know the Lord and or you are not born again and know the Lord. Now, we all have some struggles and things that we go through while we're in process to growing and maturing as believers. Um, and then there is that that other term, I guess, I'm wondering, does she mean hypocrites uh, or people who knowingly practice and profess something different. That is, they are one way on Sunday and something totally different on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Now, we do uh, have some people who are like that. And, and, and hypocrites is a strong word as well because that would, would seem to note someone who is professing something that they are not, where they are practicing and knowingly practicing something different than what they profess. And so I would tend to kind of want to go on that side of it. And I don't see young people in that light. Many times young people are just trying to figure out all of what life is about. They haven't even gotten their own identity straight yet. And so um, I, I, I kind of want to err on that side, if I, if I will, uh, if I can answer that. Pastor Young, what do you think? You know, I, I'm still stuck on what the caller said a couple of weeks ago when she called them hypocristians. Um, and, and, and so to me, I, I think that, you know, uh, like, like Pastor Johnson said, I think you're a Christian or you're not. But I also think that, that you know, they are good and bad Christians, you know, because uh, uh, the, to, to be a Christian, it, it, it implies that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are good relationships and bad relationships. There are, there are relationships that are, that are intense. And I think that sometimes, again, we, we mistakenly, we're not comparing apples to apples when we uh, uh, just use age. Because there are, there are, are certain uh, teenagers that I know that are, are flat on fire for God. Uh, but on, at the same time, there are some adults that are flat on fire for God. And then at the same time, you got lukewarm Christians right out of Revelation. You know what I mean? Can we go to church on that? Them kind of he talking about spewing out of his mouth and stuff, you know. So I guess the point is, is that, you know, you, know, you, you can, you know, he said that I would rather you be hot or cold. So there are some cold. And, and he said, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. And I think the lukewarm uh, falls into that uh, hypocritian category. The ones who are trying to uh, fake some heat. Uh, fake like that. You know what I'm saying? If, if I'm struggling with something, if I'm cold, I'm just going to admit it. You know, hey, look, I ain't got it together. I am undone. You know, uh, uh, how did Paul put it? He said, uh, woe is me uh, for, uh, what did, no, Isaiah said, woe is me for I'm undone. What did Paul say? He said, uh, he said that, um, uh, how, how long uh, uh, shall I, uh, uh, how, how did Paul put it? Somebody help me out. In, in the scripture, when Paul was talking about um, uh, who shall deliver me from this body of sin. Oh yeah, he said he was a wretched man. And so I guess the point is, is that when you got somebody that can write half the Bible and call himself a wretched man, you know, there were areas of transparency even there with Paul. And I think that, you know, to me, I think that that that's one of those moments where Christians have to t take off that mask and always uh, and stop always pretending like we're always on point, that we're always precise. And sometimes we struggle and we need to just be transparent about it and stop, you know, faking it. What do you think, Pastor Swan? I absolutely agree. There has to be some authenticity with the adults, with the with the youth leaders, even with the pastor, and sharing where we've come from. Uh, and certainly, we want to open up the phone line seven two seven five seven one one. Want to get your background seven two seven five seven one one. Your feedback on this particular issue, 
Pastor Johnson, Pastor Young, one of the things that we did not mention last week that I do want to point out today is that the reason why the uh, Miss Dean came to these conclusions is she says that on any other subject that young people are comfortable with, they can explain, they can articulate themselves. So her argument is, if you can articulate things about money, if you can articulate things about BET and what comes on BET and, and MTV and VH1 and all these other things, then that suggests that there's a, there's a comfort level, there's interaction. But when it comes to church, they're not able to articulate themselves. But my question to you then is, are we just satisfied with our young people coming to church? Or can we do a better job of saying, look, now that you're here, let's push you. Let's see how far God can take you. Or do we look at the world? We see the news. So many young people getting shot and killed. And, and we're just so glad to see our young people. That are, are we really encouraging them to know the very truths of Scripture? See, Pastor Swan, I, I just have to, having been a youth pastor and youth minister for, you know, some 10, 12 years uh, before becoming a senior pastor, it is, it is, here's my first big word for the day. It is incumbent upon us. Y'all like that one? <laughs> it's incumbent upon us as, as ministry leaders and organizers in the youth ministry. I said this last week, that youth ministry does not become a giant Chuck E. Cheese where you just drop your children off and it's just, you know, run playtime all over the place. And even when it comes down to team ministry, it's not just PlayStation 2, Xbox, Wii, uh, game tournaments, cards, uh, foosball, ping pong, pool table, hangout, chill spot. It's there's got to be some 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 transmission of the word of God being taught so that young people develop a worldview. Now, how that just simply means how they see the world. So when uh, when when the author makes the claim of fake Christians, and when, like I said before, when we come down to where young people are, uh, they're just really trying to learn about their own identity, more or less learn about uh, the authenticity of Christianity. So really, it, be, it, it it's on our shoulders as organizers and ministry leaders to actually develop the worldview of young people, teach them the, 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 teach them the Bible, make application to how life is lived today so that young people can draw some analogies and see some comparisons comparison and contrast in terms of how they're going to live life and view life. I'm just, I really keep going back to this. I'm really not comfortable with calling them fake Christians until we've done our job uh, and making sure that they are educated. So uh, on that end of it, I would put it on the parents and I would put it on ministry leaders to make sure that that is something that happens first uh, before we can go there. You're absolutely right. And, and Pastor Young, I want to get your comment on this one, one part of the article, and again, it's on CNN.com. It was written by John Blake. And so if you want to read it for yourself, you can just go to CNN.com. Uh, and the title of it, again, is More Teens Becoming, quote unquote, Fake Christians. Um, but the author of the book, Almost Christian, Kenda Dean, she says in the article, Pastor Young, that no matter what a young person's background is, she believes that committed Christians, teens in particular, all of them, regardless of what denomination, where they come from, share four common traits. And I want to see if you agree with these. The four that she mentions are first, each of them have a personal story about God. They have their own testimony Two, they have a deep connection to a faith community, whether that means that they are part of a church or some other group of which they're growing three, they have a sense of purpose in their life. And, and four, they have a sense of hope for the future. Do you, do you think most pastors, when we look at our young people and we're gauging 
their progress? Do you think that these are the four things that we tend to look at? Or do we do we tend to look at some other things that kind of help us to say, well, I think this person, this young person is moving in the right direction? Yeah, Pastor Swan, I think that, you know, as much as we, we live in two worlds, an idealistic world and realistic world, and ideally those are uh, great traits to look for. But realistically, you know, we don't want to add anything to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm looking for whether or not this person has accepted Jesus Christ as a personal savior. Uh, that's the, that's the story at the beginning of the day and the end of this uh, of the day. That's a period with an exclamation point. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Now you're a Christian. Now I think what happens is that sometimes we, we, it gets blurry when we get into the sanctification process because it's here you go, brace yourself, progressional. <laughs> and and I know that ain't big in, in, in like like his words, but you know it has a whole lot of syllables in it. Progression, no. So so when you got at least four syllables, it's a big word. I mean, and yeah, okay, okay. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the sanctification process is progressional, and and so you know I believe that 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 as they mature, they may have one, two, three, or all four of the traits that she described, and I do believe that those are great traits to look for, but I definitely believe that those are indicators, but not necessarily an absolute uh, uh, determination as to whether or not uh, uh, a, a person is a Christian or not, a fake Christian or a real Christian, uh, to, to concede that if, 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 if that's how she's trying to describe it. All right, we want to hear from you. 727-5711 is the number. I believe we do have a caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Yeah. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Go ahead and state your comment, please. Um, while y'all was talking, the, the Lord had uh, showed me the wheat and the tail and how they grow together. And in some part, you can be confused thinking that they're both wheat, but they're not. I've even had sons that have gone to church and and they'd be sitting there talking and I'm like, Oh, she's a good girl and her mother and her family and how she prays the Lord and I've had one of my sons say, Mom, you just don't know you know. Uh, and he started explaining some of the things, some of the girls and young men right there in church. How um they get they talking about sex or drugs or I want your phone number, and and sometimes even with saints, uh, you can teach them, you can pray with them until they inside know who the Lord is, not hear it or see someone praise the Lord, but when they experience the Lord and, and that changes them, then they are going to be confused uh, about their identity and everything else. Because if you got Jesus at a young age, you're going to know who you are. You're going to know who Christ is because he's going to teach you, he's going to direct you, and he's going to guide you. But as y'all was talking, I could see the wheat and the tail in the wind blowing together, you know? Okay. And so, but... um, it's the same as if you can have a two diamonds sitting on the shelf until you examine it, uh, test it. You're going to think both of them are diamonds, then they're not. Thank you for the call. We appreciate the time. And and, and certainly... Uh you know, the caller is correct in the sense that, you know, when people come through the church, obviously, um, 
we do look for certain things, Pastor Johnson, but obviously the heart is the determining factor. But I guess th- there should be some things. And, and one of the things that the author is saying about this that really caught my attention is it says that some adults really don't expect a lot from youth ministry, from youth pastors. Basically, all they want them to do is just keep the children off of drugs and keep them not having sex, don't have any unwanted pregnancies, all those kinds, of, don't get any diseases. But aside from that, there really isn't a greater sense of expectation. So again, is that the is that the youth's fault or is that the adult's fault for not really expecting more out of youth ministry? I, I, again, I'll say it again. I believe it's, it's the adult's responsibility. The adults, first, parents at home, teaching and training your children. I, I have to just give a shameless plug for my good friend, Pastor Carlton, Carlton McLeod over at Calvary Revival Church in Chesapeake. He actually uh, is taking time to walk his, his men through a process of how to do devotions in their home. Uh, as we are priests of the home, you know, we ought to be responsible for those who become the first teachers of the word of God in our own families as men. And so that's not to say that women cannot teach the word because they can. Uh, but what I'm saying, simply saying is, is that the worldview development of, of, a, uh, of a, here's my next big word, bibliocentric. That's got a few syllables in it, Pastor Young. <laughs> a bibliocentric worldview, of just simply meaning that uh, we base everything out of the Bible. The Bible is our center for how we see the world. Um, that we start there uh, in, in young people so that they balance every kind of life-altering decision, everything that they do based on what the Bible teaches and what it says to us. Parents are the first ones responsible. And then behind parents, I just want to just be the first person to, to take the weight off of pastors and ministry leaders and say we are to come alongside what parents are doing. Now, if parents aren't doing their job, then we can become a supplement, but we're not the primary the parents are the primary. We become secondary, and then we help to kind of help everybody train so they can do what they need to do at home. I always say it this way, that a sermon that you can uh, see is better than one you can hear any day, and that begins on Monday and not so much on Sunday. Absolutely right. And so we do have another caller here, I believe. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead and state your comment, please. Yes, um, just um, going along the lines with you and um, you're speaking about just the term um, about faith Christians. I don't kind of, it's kind of almost like an oxymoron to me because it's either you are or you're not, um, and it needs to be clear. And I think one thing with the young people working with them um, for so long is that a lot of times that transition into the church is, is, is how we get them, but we never discuss about the transformation. And therefore, with the struggle and how you talk about the worldview, with the struggle in transforming um, into Christian and more relationship with God, um, that progression um, stays in uh, to effect. And if there's no guidance or if there's nobody who's there to feed them um, spiritually, because sometimes we take um, the initiative, especially at the youth department, on how we um, um, make God more... Um, um, applicable or we make God more approachable to them sometimes by um, hosting an event. Um, but it's what we do after the fact that we want to get them into a transformational stage. So I think that is a, a great area between transition and transformation where some may look at these young folk or even, um, you know, older saints, um, how we struggle um, with considering them um, as being a fake Christian. But I just look at the statement just being more of an oxymoron because I believe that, um, you know, you can never be a fake doctor. You can never be a fake pastor. It's either you are or you're not. Um, so there should not be a title or a handle put on it um, that can put forth as a fake Christian. Okay. Appreciate the comments. Thank you for your time. Thank you. 
And the, and the call again makes an interesting point that, you know, obviously our job is to bring them in, but the, the next question is once they arrive, what is happening? And, and to that point, I want, I want to raise this issue. Let, let's say that uh, a young person gets it. Let's say the light bulb comes on for them. They're on fire for God. Maybe the parents aren't on fire. Maybe the church isn't on fire. Mm. So, so now you have a young person that has all of this energy, all of this drive and enthusiasm, and they are interpreting God the way they see God in their life. They are experiencing God. They're moving. They're exuberant. And, and what happens when those young people collectively come and, and they get a spark and they start worshiping God, and now it doesn't fit the flow of the church? Mm. Because you know that can happen. Mm-hmm. Do, do we sometimes, as adults unknowingly or sometimes even consciously kind of suppress their view because we, we need them to worship God, but we need them to worship God in the way in which we find it comfortable. <laughs> you know, Pastor Swan, you are, you pushing buttons today, man. This, we cannot reduce young people down to our experience. And oftentimes as adults, we do that. And, uh, you know, because a young person may not, um, sit in a quiet demeanor in in uh, meditation and reverencing uh, the Lord in that way, but they may have their hands raised, jumping up and down, or the music that is used to to encourage young people to worship may not be the same kind of music that is used to cause uh, many adults to worship. I think we do young people a terrible disservice uh, by trying to have them conform. As a matter of fact, Jesus said those very plainly, uh, that young people, that a child should lead us. Um, and so we need that same excitement, that same passion. Young people are very passionate in general. It becomes our responsibility to help direct their passions so that they can maintain their flame and their fire. Um, and, you know, frankly, young people encourage me in my church when I see them worshiping um, and just going all out for God as much as they can they in turn encourage me. So I think it's important that we don't stifle them or hold them back in any way. Yeah, and Pastor Young, I, I wanna, want you to comment on this. There's this term sometimes that we hear in the church and sometimes it's applied to young people who have this kind of passion and the term is called radical. And, and you know, you hear this term and radical seems to be antithetical. That's the word for the day, antithetical. Or totally against what others may consider to be reverent and, and so now I have this this enthusiasm. I have this drive. And, and now I'm considered to be a radical because I love God the way I do. And, and so, Pastor Young, how do we begin to, to blend all of the, you know, we're pastors here and we have to deal with this. You know, you have generations that are in your church. And, and obviously some generations see, know, view, and experience God much differently than, than maybe youth. So, so how do we encourage other generations to give the youth the permission to experience God in their own way. You know, Pastor Swan, one of the things that I think is that a lot of times we as a church, um, I, I think about the story of the prodigal son. Um, uh, the majority of the church falls in the category of the son that stayed. Um, and and he he honored his father and Jesus gave us that parable and 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 that analogy is is that hey look this is how you're supposed to worship the father you're not supposed to go out there and and you know live a riotous life and all that kind of stuff but the heart of the father was waiting for him to come to himself and he, and even though he was a prodigal son he was still a son 
and the father was still there waiting on him when he came back. And so I think the point that 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 we have to uh, make sure that we don't become as a as a as a ministry or as a body of Christ is a one dimensional ministry. In other words, our ministry has to be able to appeal uh, both in reach and outreach. In other words, we've got to deal with the people that are still there because the father ministered to the son and said, hey, look, everything I got is yours, you know. Um, but at the same time, we're about to kill the fatted calf. In other words, you're going to get what's yours. You know, you know, you, you're going to reap what you've sown. You know, be not deceived. God is not mocked. You know, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. There are consequences for both good and bad actions. But at the same time, it doesn't change the love that one would have for a son. And if us as a father's here in this room, if we have children that step out and do bad things, we don't disown them. We don't say that you're not our child anymore. No, no, no more so than God would say you're not a Christian anymore. What we do is we, we, we correct them and we lovingly bring them back into the fold. And I think that that's the thing that the, the sons who stayed, uh, or, or the, 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 the body of Christ that didn't go out there and experience that riotous lifestyle, they have to understand that there's something that maybe they can't relate to, um, that, that this person had to deal with. And if the shoe be on the other foot, like Paul said, uh, uh, God forbid there go I, you know, so we have to make sure that we uh, consider ourselves. at least we also fall into temptation, like uh, Galatians 6, 1 said. And you're absolutely right, Pastor Young. And I guess, you know, the question is, as, as I continue to read and think over this topic is obviously there's some things in the world that young people can find themselves passionate about. And, and the question becomes, are we as church leaders, are we as parents generating the same type of passion or giving our young people the same type of permission to seek passionate things in, in our walk with Christ? One of the uh, persons in the article, her name is Elizabeth Corey, and uh, she also directs a, a youth program down at Emory University in Georgia. And she says, point blank, uh, that there are no shortage of teenagers who want to be inspired and make the world better. But the Christianity that some are taught don't inspire them to change anything that's broken in the world. She goes on to say that teens, in fact, want to be challenged and they want, to, they, and they want their tough questions to be answered. And she finally says uh, that churches, not just parents, are some of the blame for teens' religious apathy because she says, and I quote, pastors often preach a safe message that can bring in the largest number of congregants. The result is the, the result is more people yawning in the pews, but really aren't getting the answers that we need. So are, are we doing a disservice by, by staying away from the things of which young people really need to know about so that they can connect and can generate that passion for Christ that we know that they can have? Absolutely, Pastor Swan. Absolutely. Sometimes uh, pastors tend to shy away from what I would call the $64 million questions that people have and really want answers to. Um, and what I found to be true is that when we do tackle some of the tough issues of life, when we deal with issues of economy, issues of relationship, uh, and when we do, when we get, begin to speak to issues uh, in regards to uh, politics and culture, when we start to speak to uh, larger issues that impact people in the everyday, you will notice that people's ears perk up and they begin to listen. I agree with the author in this sense that young people want to find something to be passionate about. And uh, if we continue to do the, the safe messages, it's almost as if we need to do uh, a series on how to reverse culture. 
uh, within society, not just in America, but throughout the world, because that's really what we're talking about. We're really talking about a kingdom cultural uh, implementation into society so that it becomes a reflection of the kingdom of heaven. And so if we can get young people, not just young people, but all people to see um, really that we are on assignment from heaven here as believers to help people see Jesus and understand who he is in the everyday settings of life. Um, and that that is something to be excited about. Um, I'm doing that with my game time series, just using the analogy of football. And I'm taking, uh, you know, how the church is not on defense, but we're on offense because the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. And I'm relating that to the different elements of the game. Pastor Swan and Pastor Young, you ought to see the response of men uh, that are within the church. They're getting excited about it. Um, Energy and synergy is beginning to happen and take place. And so I believe that when we take many of the tough issues of life and we begin to apply scripture to those tough issues, it will cause a young person who's 13 to say, you know what? I don't want to compromise my stance of my integrity in regards to my sexual purity. And I'm going to remain a virgin until I get married. You know what? I'm not going to pollute my mind um, and discredit my future and dishonor God and who he called me to be in terms of how uh, I have projected the image of God in my life with all of the different filth and thing that's in, that's in the world. I am going to choose to be somebody that is like Pastor Swanson, antithetical, Pastor Young, and different and take a stand and become a modern day Daniel. And so I believe that that is important and we can push young people in that direction. Psalms 127, Pastor Swan talks about uh, how, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. Well, right around verse six, it talks about um, blessed is a man whose quiver is full, whose children are like arrows in his hand, for he shoots them at the gate. We've got to aim young people at specific places in society so that there can be a godly presence that is there and we can begin to reflect Jesus. That's how the kingdom gets advanced. It's not on, like I said, it's not on Sunday, it's on Monday. Yeah, and certainly right. And we want to open up the phone lines. We want to hear from you, 727-5711. If you are a member of a congregation and, you know, you, you're seeing, are you seeing your young people on fire? Are you seeing your young people growing in Christ? Or are your young people just coming? can't really articulate what they believe. They're in the pew. We celebrate the fact that they're there, but they're really, you don't see that transforming power of which God calls us to. And, and the question becomes who bears the responsibility? Uh, the article says as pastors and parents, it's their responsibilities. Why our young people aren't being challenged to grow as a result. They are becoming quote unquote, fake Christians or almost Christian. They're close enough to hear the word, but they're not embracing it. They're not being challenged to do so. We want to hear from you, 727-5711. If you're just tuning in also, this article came on CNN.com. It was written by John Blake, and the author of the book, Almost Christian, Kendra Dean, uh, has this warning. Your child is following a mutant form of Christianity, and we may, in fact, be responsible. And so, again, Pastor Young, you know, these are some very strong statements that that the author is making. Uh, do, Do you... You know, I guess the question is, I know that there's some truth in, in, in these statements that she's making, but how far would you go with her to say, you know, yeah, I, I can really say I can see some of those things, um, but I'm not willing to go all the way with her. Yeah, uh, to a certain extent, I certainly uh, see them. But, I, you know, I focus on the, the young lady that talked about um, she, she mentioned safe messages because to me, one of the things that I think that we don't do is we, we don't get transparent enough with young people to say, hey, look, you know, uh, everything that uh, we define as filth, 
they don't necessarily define as filth. In other words, these things, when we talk about, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 sex outside of marriage, for example, you know, w- what do you do with the young person that, that wants to say, if they're in an atmosphere, they would say this. Hey, listen, uh, you know, uh, if a young lady says, look, you know, I, I enjoy the affection that I get from this young man. I don't want to, to, to uh, have sex outside of marriage with him, but at the same time, I don't want to lose him. So, so how, do I, how do I manage these, this desire for intimacy uh, and and stop it at the point where I don't lose my uh, virginity or or, or or disrespect my vessel or or how do you deal with the young man that if he is in an atmosphere where he can open up and be real and be transparent what he wants to say is that listen you know the things that I see on TV uh, on BET and all those kind of things I don't see them as filth you know I, I I'm attracted to that what do I do with these desires that's coming up as, as my hormones start to get out of control you know how how do I manage that is there any that I can talk to about these kinds of things. And I think once we start talking about that, then we can't be accused of just uh, pr- staying in a box and preaching a safe message. I think that we have to be able to deal with things head on as a church because trust and believe that they're going to get some education from somewhere. Do they get that education in the church or in the street? And you're absolutely right. And I think the other question is, it's not just, you know, sexual in nature. I think most of the time we talk about young people, that's the main point. But one of the things the article suggests is, you know, kids are coming from a lot of broken homes. You know, do we do we talk about divorce? You know, do we talk about uh, the economy? Do we talk about how do you cope with a best friend or a friend that you know that was shot and killed or committed suicide? You know, are we are we talking about these issues also? And maybe that's why we're not connecting, because we're preaching other messages that while they are important, maybe they're not really striking a chord with our young people. I think we have another caller on the air. Carla, are you there? Yes. Go ahead and state your comment, please. Um, uh, I just wanted to comment on a few things that you all said. Um, well, first of all, um, who is it doing the disservice? Is it the parents or is it the, the leaders in the church? And, you know, I really think that it, the responsibility falls on both the parents and the leaders. It's important for the parents to teach them, and the same thing that they're learning at church needs to be the same thing that's being reinforced in the home. One of the problems that you're having with kids these days is what's being taught at church and what's, what might be verbally coming out of a parent's mouth may not be what they actually see. That's one of the issues. But another issue is what, what about those children who come to church on their own? And so when they go home, they're in a completely different atmosphere from the Christian atmosphere where they're actually being taught things. And we still have a responsibility to them, too. So as we work in the church and as we're leaders in the church and we, respond, we, we take these children in, we can't, it, it's not about making them feel good, but it's about letting them know that there's a standard that we have to live up to as Christians. So do we sugarcoat things when we tell them things? No, we don't sugarcoat things. We teach them what, what they need to know, what's, what's important about being a Christian. Because if you sugarcoat it, they're going to walk through life and they're going to live a sh- in a sugarcoated mentality. They're never going to want to live according to the Word because they, they have no idea what the Word is about. It's not about making them feel good, but it's about teaching them that there is a standard that we have to live up to as Christians. And then also... I wanted to say um, uh, one thing that, that another thing that you'll find nowadays in the church is that even when when sometimes when these children or when the youth want to get involved in church and that their passion is expressed because I heard one of you all saying early talking about the passion that they have and the way that they express it. So if the passion that they express, if they express their love for Christ in a way that we aren't used to because of different traditions, we can't 
be ready to um, to reject what they're doing. We have to be able to uh, accept what they're doing as long as it's as long as there's nothing wrong with it, and as long as it doesn't go against God's word, but at the same time shows that it shows their passion for Christ, we have to be willing to accept what they're doing and encourage them. But you have so many people in the church these days that see something that they're not used to because it's not the way it was when they grew up in the church or when they were young adults in the church or something like that. And so they're so ready to push these children back. And so, of course, what are the children going to do or what are the youth gonna, going to do? They're going to begin to reject If they can't express their love for Christ in the way that, you know, what the way that it feels normal for them, they're going to begin to reject Christ and begin to reject the things of Christ because they're not being accepted to express their passion um, in in certain ways. And so those are all things that have to be taken into consideration when talking about the youth of the church. It is so important um, because they're not, you know, my pastor always says they're not the generation of tomorrow, but they're the generation of today. We have to start teaching them and training them to be Christians the way that it, it, it is in the Bible. We have to, and you, can't, you just can't sugarcoat it because we do them a disservice. We do them a disservice, and then we, we miss the obligation that has been given to us as Christians. Amen. Well, thank you for the call. You know, she, she makes some very valid points, um, uh, uh, Pastor Ray. And one of the things that I think about is uh, when she talked about sugarcoating it. Uh, because one thing that's important to me is that I think sometimes people misunderstand what an effective Christian looks like, what an effective parent looks like, what an effective pastor or church leader looks like, even as it relates to the young people. Because our role doesn't stop at just telling them what the truth is. You know, uh, the, the Bible talks about how the truth is written on the tablets of our hearts now. And so it's not so much about telling them the truth, um, but, but it's about getting them to respond to the truth. Um, and so sometimes that's where that sugarcoating terminology gets gray. Uh, here's a big word. It gets ambiguous. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, I just had to get in there because they were throwing in words that I hadn't heard of before, but I wrote them down and I'm going to go look it up and, and make sure. But, 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 but I guess the point is, is that, you know, we have to make sure that we get people to respond to the truth because I, I've seen quite frequently ministries will do this. They will just uh, take pride in saying, well, I'm going to tell you the truth, whether you like it or not, you know, Hey, it's tight, but it's right. And all of that's true. And those cliches have their place. But when you get down to the heart of the matter if you can't reach somebody in such a way that you inspire them to respond and so you have biblical support for seasoning words with honey but but the word is inspirational in other words you you don't get people to to heaven running from hell you can't scare people into heaven is my point by just telling them do get right or you're going to hell that's not how it works. What happens is, is that you inspire people to listen to you because they, A, first and foremost, they see that you love them, they see that you care about them, and they see that what you're telling them is because you don't want them to be hurt or damaged. Uh, and so when, you, when, when they hear the, 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 the uh, word seasoned with love, they not only hear it and understand it, but they aspire to, uh, to produce what it is that you're trying to impart into them. So I guess that's a part and thing that we got to make sure we don't lose sight of as a ministry. Okay, we have another caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Blessings and gentlemen, my name is Teton Moffitt of EX Ministries. I've been listening in, and I uh, just want to just, you know, first applaud the efforts in, in sharing uh, the truth of, truth of the matter. I do believe that there is a responsibility with the parents first and foremost 
um, you know, and young people only going to do what they see. No matter what we say, how much we preach to them and try to encourage them to live a holy life, they're going to follow the example. So what happens is, in my, my opinion, I believe hypocrisy breeds rebellion. And so when the children are not seeing the consistency of what is being preached and they're not seeing things lived out before them, you find that there is a hybrid of lifestyle that's being duplicated, and we grow into this mindset that now we have to do everything we need to do to reach them. So we'll throw them candy, we'll throw them everything, hip-hop, whatever, and you have to use the same thing to keep them. So I think we have to get to the basics. I heard the gentleman mention earlier about a Daniel generation of young people that will raise up the standard, that will be excited about God. They'll see the examples before us being transparent, setting the examples as leaders, as parents, but Ultimately, I believe it starts at home, and a lot of ministers and leaders lose sight of that first ministry, and we get so occupied evangelizing, reaching all the other people, but when the children come home, they see the real mama, they see the real father. So those things have to be put back into perspective. I truly believe that it's a day and time that young people, they're excited about God, but as the young sister said, we got to get them back to the Word of God, and if it lines up with the Word, because everything is, and there's nothing new under the sun. So again, gentlemen, appreciate the opportunity. God bless you. Thank you for calling. Absolutely, I will agree with the caller, uh, Pastor Young, in the sense that really the parents are the first ones who are the ones who have to really live this thing first to get started with. And so as they do that, it becomes critically important that parents become the first model. Now, we have to tell the truth about this, Pastor Swan, and that is the sense that uh, parents leave us on Sunday, they go home on Monday, and uh, let's say that that phone rings and uh, mom and dad are saying, we're not here, we're not here, we're not here. You just You just taught your child how to lie. Uh, whenever there's a bill collector or something that's calling in regards to that. So teaching young people how to walk in integrity, we become the first models for them uh, to be able to see what a Christ-like life is like. Uh, it's all right if I do a little bit of this and I do a little bit of that. Uh, and really, we, we as parents have to get it together. And we start talking about divorce, Pastor uh, Swan. How in the world can young people understand what the standard is if, if uh, we, the adults, can't live it? And so that becomes interesting. I think we have another caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Yes. Go right ahead. State your comment. Uh, I'm interested in knowing, uh, is there other pastors on the island that's supporting you guys uh, have input to uh, the discussions that you guys are having? Well, thank you. Thank you for your uh, your statement, your call, and your concern. Listen, it, it is critically important uh, that we as, as parents, as educators, as pastors, as leaders, as teachers, we become the ones uh, who first model. And as we model, we become the ones who first then teach. Uh, so, you know, it's it's the uh, scripture in Second uh, Timothy, uh, Pastor Young, where, where Paul says, I begin to, you know, call those uh, who will be able to faithfully teach others also. And so um, at church on Sunday, it's got to carry over to Monday and then from Monday to the next Sunday where we become those uh, persons again who begin to advance the kingdom. And let me say this. I, I want to encourage the pastors. Um, we, we had a youth lock-in this weekend. And uh, First Lady Swan and I, we went, we kicked all of our youth leaders out the room. And we, we had a no holds barred discussion about our life, not not necessarily about theirs. There was no question that they could not ask us. We were completely vulnerable and transparent to whatever question they asked, and they asked them all. 
and we answer them all. And I do believe that there is great value in pastors and parents having that level of transparency. You know, because I think sometimes we do such a good job of portraying this image in church that everything is great and wonderful that our young people don't see how do we respond when we fall? You know, how do, how do we work through our issue? And so uh, I do think that there's a disservice there. We, we are almost out of time. I think we are out of time, Moose. Um, we, we did pray for Pastor Young earlier. Do we need to pray for you? So also, good, man. First game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Ray is, is celebrating. You know, he's a, the, the leaves haven't changed yet. To the on, on that note, we, we need to leave. <laughs> we, we need to leave. On behalf of Pastor Ray Johnson, Pastor John Young, we want to thank Jay Lang, who's also a.k.a. Sister Imogene, <laughs> for coming in and offering his perspective on the game. We thank you again for listening to another edition of the Pastor's Study. Tune in next Tuesday for another edition of the show. Until then, be blessed and be a blessing to someone else. This is the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV.